trending news right now. So what's happened in social media in the last uh, 24 hours? We speak to social commentator Adekunle Owalabi to okay, tell us. All right. How are you this Wednesday, or Ade? I'm doing very well, and yourself? I'm good, thank you so much. Let's go straight to it. Let's talk, first of all, the Zimbabwean Exemption Permit Holders Association, uh, just having their take, and also social media having their take on the Zimbabwe exemption permits issue. So Home Affairs Minister, we had discussed, Dr. Aaron Mutualedi, had said, uh, you know, given the, the deadline in terms of uh, expiry of 31st December of ZEPs and that they won't be renewed, and then uh, there was some confusion because there was a belief that now this decision has been rescinded. But he comes and says, no. It- Composition about, and the South African counterpart as well, I have been engaging with them. Some are saying Zimbabweans should leave. We do not want them in the country. It very uh, quite a lot of unpleasant comments were also said as well. And 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 the Oman first do need to, I, I believe the the Oman first minister's um, decision could also be politically motivated as well, um, knowing that there is a f- there are a few groups on so- on social media that have been calling for Zimbabweans to leave and accusing the ANC of sending out the the, the, the locals. And th- I think the Oman first minister is caught in 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 between in, in a crossfire right now. Who do we listen to? Do we listen to the people, or do we need to favour? Uh, our next door neighbors. So, so let's uh, backtrack all, a bit, Ade. Hang on, sorry. In terms of the actual confusion, uh, the minister was saying that what happened that when the department was issuing this uh, statement, there was also a circular on the cabinet decision. But the cabinet decision was very clear and it didn't need the circular. So what was withdrawn was the circular on the decision, but not the actual issue on uh, the Zimbabwe exemption permits. But the, ad, um, admitting that this confusion was from the side of government and not the, the media, as much as the media is the one that incorrectly stated that Cabinet's decision had been revoked. Absolutely. I, that, I mean, it, but the Oma first do need to, to let the, the people know their stand on this uh, on this matter and not... I'm not holding their cards like this is a poker game. Whether it is not, this is about livelihood of people. This is about destiny. This is about it's a lot of things at stake. People are really concerned and they're very worried. I think it will really, really be good if we know if they do know where they stand on, at this on this situation. Okay, so that decision in November that cabinet resolved that the ZEPs will not be extended is still what's going on. So, what? Uh, let's go back then to what you're saying. South Africa is saying on the Twitter streets, those who are not successful will have to leave South Africa or face deportation. It's going to cause quite a lot of disruption in a lot of people's lives. About two hundred and fifty thousands of uh, those Zimbabweans who hold the ZEP permits. And the the place you're saying the Minister of Health is stuck in now is, you say, between a hard rock and a, uh, what do you call it? A rock and a hard place, if I can put it that way. A rock and a hard place, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Let's go on on that point but, now. But uh, uh, on that note, it is, I mean, there's, uh, there's, there's um, tough economic situation in Zimbabwe, tops it all, and, and the destruction of lives is 
I mean, uh, lawyers of human uh, lawyers for human rights is being on on their side, I, and I think Omar Fares do need to know that should they not renew this permit, they are, they are aware of the consequences and they will be held responsible. And, and, and I think that is another another issue that we need to also look into as well. So, they, I mean, they keep reiterating that. I mean, it, it, this was under special circumstances. <clears throat> it wasn't one of those that would fall under the, the general, you know, uh, list in terms of how one applies for uh, residency in South Africa and that even the people who had qualified for the uh, ZDPs, the special permits, would actually kind of have a, a hard life because they're saying they wouldn't even have a higher status to apply for. So, when he's saying higher status, he's referring also to an example of if you marry a South African and you are under the ZEP, you would still attain the state. You, you won't attain the status of that marriage. You cannot apply for that. So, it's in a way, they're saying, or the way they're putting it, it seems as though these ZEPs, although they were meant to make lives easier for Zimbabweans, they would ultimately restrict those lives of Zimbabweans. What do you make of that? I think it, the decision that that decision is not good enough because we, we should also look at the the, the approach that the Human First, uh, if I will use the word metrics that the Human First is using on this on this matter, they did mention that anyone that actually has come to South Africa to obtain this permit prior to 2009 would not be recognized. And the, the question the Zimbabwe community are asking is that when do we stop using this special permit? Can we be legalized now? Our life is now being integrated into the country. How do they feel like they do not belong here? And and the, the, the because for one um, the question is they do want to know their stand. They do want to be legally in South Africa. They don't want this permit to be scrapped. They do want to have an ID. They want them to be permanent resident in the country. And the Oma First is not ready to, to give them that. And that is another issue. I think it might even be a, a, a logistic issue as well, not being able to, to differentiate who should stay, who should leave. And and, it, and knowing that the Oma First might I do have series of backlogs as well on how to legalize these people. That is one of the comments that I picked up, and it and everyone was beaten on that question. That they think Omafers is trying to get him out of the country because they do not even they cannot even differentiate who should be here, who should be not. And mind you, if Omafers do successfully um, go go ahead, um, go ahead with this um, decision they are going to make these people stateless. And what is the guarantee that they will eventually get to leave as well? Do you go and pick people on the streets and send them out of the country? How do you even achieve that? It is a cumbersome um, um, situation process to get this to, to actually happen. It's certainly going to be a different festive season. I mean, it's, it's going to be very, very different because now certainly one needs to plan for the next year and figuring one's entire life out when the rest of us are having fun and, you know, just taking a break from 2021, a lot of Zimbabweans are not going to be dealing with that. Home Affairs saying they'll only consider applications for permanent residents from January 2022. As you say, there are logistical issues that pose a lot of challenges. What are the other challenges that are, are, are listed, limitations of this decision? Um, this, this is something that I may not be able to prove. I am rationally speculating here. Mm-hmm. And 
it is just, I mean, beyond the Zimbabwean community, we have the Somalis, we have the Ethiopians, we have the Nigerians, the DRC as well. And they are also very concerned because they are watching how Zimbabweans are being treated by the home affairs. They feel like if the, if the Zimbabweans are being treated like this, knowing that they are somehow the closest community to South Africa, then what is their fate? And they do think the home affairs minister is might be going on a witch hunt to get the non uh, the non compliant or the the so called undocumented immigrant out of the of the country considering the the the, the protest that happened there in July and knowing how the citizens are calling for um unemployment to be addressed uh, economic um um transformation and and most of the time the the comment that we get is that Immigrants are actually taking the job of the locals, and the, the approach that Omar Ferris is going on this um, matter, it is deep concerning for the migrant community. Knowing what's happening in Port Elizabeth with the Somalis as well, everyone is on the edge, and they are not in, entirely sure what is going to happen to them as well. Knowing the, and, and I can tell you from the Nigerian community precisely, there are many people who have a lot of, um, who are actually waiting for their permit to be renewed as well. So this issue is not just to the Zimbabweans, but there are a lot of other migrant community who are stateless, who do not even know their fate. If their permit to be renewed, we have people sending their families back home to their own countries and not knowing if they'll be able to make it back. We have husbands and wives even divorcing and sending, not even sure what, even kids cannot go to school. And it, it, it's a lot of, it's a mess. So this is, it, it's actually quite complicated. And it, uh, I would rather advise women first to take a few steps back and look at how to address this issue because um, it is beyond appointing panelists at the at 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 parliament. We need people to go into the migrant community and get to address this issue on how they can live together with South Africans. And as you say, I mean, it has a rippling effect. As much as we were focusing on the Zimbabwean uh, you know, foreign nationals in the country, but there are other migrants in the country, as you say, and also South Africans who are married to Zimbabweans who are now going under strain in terms of their marriages and wondering where to, because the future is extremely uncertain after all the uncertainty of, of COVID. And those companies that are employing Zimbabwean nationals and how the economy is going to also be affected by this because they now might go into panic as well in terms of what do they do, where do they go from here. There, there are companies that are employing the workforce that comes or that is uh, fueled and muscled by Zimbabwean uh, nationals. Absolutely. absolutely. It, is, it is devastating. And I keep, I keep, um, because knowing this, this, the stand, the situation, like right now, it is quite tense. And this has been trending on Twitter, on social media, and different WhatsApp groups that have been having conversation around this. And legal um, approach is the only way right now. And it is still a 50-50 situation as well, should that treaty go in that direction. I believe they should negotiate. They should have a conversation. And Omar needs to 
put humanity first before going through um, paper or agreements that they think they might have had in the past. And we're talking people who've been here since 2009. I mean, even learning institutions, employers, you know, there will be questions, I guess, in the coming days of where to from here. Yes, we know they must submit applications, uh, but I think also the advice in terms of companies and employers and banks even and learning institutions needs to be given and, and direction given there. So no word from the Zimbabwean side of governance. Um, the, the Zimbabwean side of government has been keeping mum, um, and uh, we we do think maybe there might be um, conversations going on the ground. And as far as the public is concerned, the Zimbabwean government side has not said anything. And and also, Asanda, we should also look at um, the Zimbabweans who are also in South Africa um, because of persecution as well, and some are actually living in South Africa because they are opposition of the present regime in the country, even though the ZANU-PF did say they are not persecuting oppositions, but um, we do know that um, some Zimbabweans are in a huge, a huge uh, Zimbabwean diaspora uh, in South Africa because of um, political uh, oppression in their country. So the Home Affairs do need to also put that into consideration as well, whether they should be keeping them in the country or sending them back to, 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 to Zimbabwe. So there are a lot of um, legalities and considerations they need to look at. They need to find a compromise. And it, it is something, I mean, the, the comment on, on Twitter, they are quite hostile. And it also puts you in the state where are these people, why are they thinking like this? Why do they really want to push Zimbabwe out of the country? Of course, the Twitter. Um, feed does not reflect. We cannot account that as a reflection of of the South African people. But uh, I do think that when we tweet whatever anyone says on social media, they need to put this into consideration that we are human first before uh, being uh, you're Zimbabwean, you're South African, you're Nigerian or DRC or wherever we're from. So they need to, I want to stress that Omafers needs to put that into consideration that uh, people are in, in South Africa because of uh, political uh, oppression as well. Yes. Uh, let's move on. Talking to uh, Uganda or going to Uganda. Hashtag Bobby Wine, the opposition leader there who says that security forces have surrounded his residence and they've put him under house arrest. He was planning to do a campaign rally. So elections were held there in 14, on 14 January in Uganda in terms of presidential elections. Uh, but the, this is to do now with buying elections. It is a very um, unfortunate situation. And we were all shocked. We were all surprised. And and Bobby Wine is, is actually been getting a lot of attention since he lost the election to to the president Museveni uh, of Uganda, and the, the a, a growing concern here is that knowing what happened because this house arrest also happened during the election at the time. And the international community criticized the, the, the government and the Uganda was threatened, was threatened with sanction as well. So at the moment right now, we followed that story when this happened and we were really concerned that why 
are we having this? An hashtag dictator Museveni was trending in, in, in Uganda, and we were following what is going on in Bobby Wine's mind at the moment. And he kept tweeting, he kept, he kept expressing his displeasure over this. Of course, no one will be happy if they are being watched, if they are being kept in their home against their will. And we were just watching how long is this going to last? How, how long is the, the military going to keep up with this? This is not good for democracy in, in Uganda, even though most people do think this is not democracy. How do you keep on a position on house arrest? And, and it, it just, it just um, brings a lot of questions. And yeah. questions that, are, that are people are asking is, what is the AU saying about this? What are they saying? Can you give us a response? These are the questions people are asking, um, knowing that this is this has not ha- this is not the first time this has happened. Is the Ugandan government going to allow um, this kind of uh, approach to um, to to to, to um, opposition? It's just not making sense. And the pop star is is really pissed off. It's not happy, and the Ugandans and his followers are also tweeting as well. So we we have our fingers crossed, hoping that the AU international community can actually come to um, to the to the party and tell us why. How can the the, the president justify this action? Of course, there has not been any official message or from the from the president or from the Ugandan government side. But we keep watching the situation there in Uganda. Yeah, because his followers and his supporters, there's alleged, uh, uh, you know, um, killings even with some of them, and some so- showing signs of torture after the uh, elections there, where the allegations was that they were abducted by security forces. So over and above the leadership going through this, it's those supporters as well of uh, Bobby Wine's National Unity Platform uh, Party. It would seem. So, as we say, we, we hope to see how that's going to pan out. Uh, so, I mean, last week also, two members there in Uganda of the armed forces were handed lengthy jail terms for their part in violence against protesters. So, I guess maybe there is a bit that's that's being done. There is something that's been done. It, 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 I think that is something uh, it, it, we couldn't verify how were those people arrested, how the conviction process or conviction and prosecution process worked. I mean, the U.S. authority is actually the only country that we've seen that has actually um, adopted uh, sanctions on on the, um, the head of the military intelligence there in, in Uganda because the way this was presented to the, to the, uh, to the media is this is, has nothing to do with presidency. This has to do with the military intelligence of we of uh, Uganda as a country. So, but I think the, the but we are watching. The, the people of uh, Uganda are also uh, watching. They are actually intimidated because there have been allegations of human rights violation. Obviously, uh, um, we also studied the Human Rights Watch report on Uganda as well. And with this house arrest, it's just, it's just confirming the fears of the people in Uganda. We would just want to believe these allegations are not true because in this day and age, um, using 
I think we should also be concerned about how to make comment because the Twitter street there in Uganda is also being watched and controlled by the government of Uganda. So we may not really get to see the true reflection of what is happening mm. in Uganda. There is the, the, there is no freedom of uh, expression, of speech there in Uganda as well. We should take note of that. And just uh, yesterday we were talking about Libya going to the polls on the 24th of uh, December. So... We'll see how that one goes. G7 meeting then also. Let's talk that. These world leaders from the UK, USA, Canada, Japan, Germany, France and Italy uh, who are going to be meeting in Liverpool to discuss quite a few things. They've got the prevention of conflict, development of vaccines and the green agenda as the three pillars of what will form part of the mandate or the, uh, the, 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 the minutes. I mean, certainly, if we're talking prevention of conflict, they've got quite a lot on their list there, just on that, on its own, that pillar. They are focusing on Russia, though. Let's let's start with that and what's going on with Russia versus Ukraine. It, 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 the, the issue in, in Russia and, and Ukraine, it, is, it has been an ongoing um, conversation that has been on the, on the cards. And... And I think why the focus has been on Russia is also part of the Iran deal that that was signed in the past. And and this Iran deal is something that um, is actually a bit of a, a bit of concern to the international community. And they do know that um, okay, it, it, um, Russia is being accused of playing big brother to Iran on the uranium deal and on the uranium um, mission that they're working on. We should remember that in 2015, a deal was signed on um, Iran not working on this, keeping the stockpile of the uranium to a minimal. Of course, the deal, um, Donald President, former president of the United States, worked out on that deal. And so um, Russia being at the top of the agenda was because they are they, they've sort of been accused to be um, um, mentoring Iran on this project that they're working on with the uranium deal. And the conflict between Ukraine at, and Russia has always been there. They have settled today, tomorrow they're back into their, to each other's throat. And they think if they can resolve this issue, at this summit, at this G7 summit, it will be better for them because they have been threats and the um, people from the country in U- U- Ukraine, they are complaining about uh, the tests that are happening in Russia coming to their land um, doing this um, missile testing as well. It's also something of not knowing which territory um, they should, like a boundary border issue that they have. Oh. And this that is, is a, one of the issues where they've re- been discussed. Reflective in, in a lot of other instances, as I say, you know, that prevention of conflict list of things is going to be quite a long one. I mean, if they're focusing on Russia, we wonder if all the other things that should be on that list will receive the same attention. We've just come from the Miss Universe now that was held in Israel. We've been talking a lot about that on trending topics in terms of how they... This issue highlighted again that Palestine-Israel long-standing issue. So there's another one. Another one, Poland and Belarus and what's going on there. And, uh, you know, Sudan's got their own issues. Afghanistan's post-U.S. withdrawal problems as well. 
Do you think these other things on that could be or should be on the list, in my view, will receive the same attention as, as the Russia versus Ukraine issue? I, I, I think they, because they're all sort of um, in the one, the, the region is it's a very sensitive place because, um, mind you, the, the NATO um, head office is in that, um, is in um, Sarajevo. And one of the issues there is like the people of Kosovo and Serbia, they've also been complaints. And I mean, there have been insecurity, um, insecurity and issues, the stability of the economy as well, but most importantly, the, the Belarusian authority have been calling to the international community. I think for the past five to ten years now, they've been calling the international community on the citizens' rights, and, and they think Russia is orchestrating the... the, the they've just been pointing of hands towards Russia, because if there's anything going on in that region, everyone points to Russia. As I said, these are all mere allegations, and Russia is coming to the party as well to say, look, if there is anything you want me to do, we are for the good of the world, but we have friends, and we have we have people that we also look after in their interests. And the aggression towards Ukraine, of course, it is uncalled for, and because they, they it just been pointing of ends, and, and it's just something that we, we, we were hoping that the ministers will be able to unpack for them. And, and they've been offered a resolute over the time. And this meeting, they, the, the ministers are looking at this meeting as an opportunity to bring both parties to talk because they have not been able to get along with this um, dialogue. Another and thing uh, hopefully uh, they... on, on the issues then will be the development of vaccines. A vaccine apartheid has been an issue. Vaccines also expiring. Just last week, Nigeria had to discard about a million doses, Namibia about 150,000 doses. So over and above the inequality of distribution, then we get the quality that is the issue and, and, and uh, expirations or, or thereof. The call from the AU, we just read in our updates then today in terms of our COVID here on uh, Sound Awake, that they want support in manufacturing or Africa manufacturing its own COVID vaccines. But also, what about support in tests? We were talking PCR tests versus antigen tests, and that antigen test that was developed here in South Africa. What about support on that front? Um, the, the, we, we need to look at, look at it in, in different ways. But although out of the, from the meeting that was had, South Africa's, uh, work was actually praised, especially on the Omicron uh, variant that was detected. And I think we should commend South Africa for the outstanding work that is being done. And we might be in Africa, but South Africa is one of the most advanced countries as well when it comes to advanced medicine as well. So when it comes to getting support for, for the PCR, I think we might need to look inwards. What is the AU doing to support our own? And we might not we need to look up to the Western world for support at the moment. I think if South Africa can actually get uh, on ground support, then it's much more easier to take it further. And I think part of the discussion that they do have as well is they renew their commitment in 
commitment in working together with the with the major countries Nigeria, um, South Africa, Kenya, and other countries as well in providing this vaccine as much as they can. And they've they been supporting, and it's just like, I think it might be a capacity issue, but that meeting was something that they were able to reach an agreement to say, look, we, we know we are aware of these issues, vaccine expiring, shortage of vaccine, people, and also there's been resistance as well, people not testing, and all sort of um, logistics issues that are there. But uh, we can, I mean, from the outcome of the meeting, we remain, we, we be, I think we should be confident that more help will come in the new year from, from, the, from the seven countries, from the G7 countries. Okay, uh, hashtag Samuel Eto, now the soccer legend, has now taken the presidency of the Cameroon Football Federation at the age of 40. Former Cameroon striker, also he's been footballer of the year, I think, four times. What do you make of this uh, position for him? It is, it's, a, it's a very it's an interesting development. It's, uh, we're very happy that um, someone like um, Samuel Eto um, it has risen to this heights in football, and, and and I do think he had good intentions. I'm looking at um, someone like um, Patrice Mosepe being the CAP president when people like this are taking up um, positions in in African football. Um, we we get to see some a glimpse of hope, like something new is coming. And, and I think it, it, with him, he has a. He has, he has he's made his intentions known all along to grow uh, football in Cameroon and also at Africa's large. And, and I think um, we, the football community, has been receiving a lot of support, a lot of messages from his former colleagues and and, and also from a, a, a lot of soccer legends as well. I think having someone like Samuel Leto in in um, in uh, heading this. Uh, uh, this, this position is a, it's a, it's a, it's a very good um, development in for Africa football, and, and Samuel Eto'o now is going to be hosting the African Cup of Nations in January to uh, to February. It happens; it's going to happen in January. I remember. So we're looking up to that. How is that going to happen? How is it going to do it? And it's a big task, and uh, we we pray for for a good run. And we don't know what any unfortunate thing to happen. I think it's going to go well for him. So with with, with this happening, it's, it's it's a good call that um, we will see more African legend, uh, younger people taking charge, and uh, knowing that um, most of this um, footballization have been held by older people and who may not have brought much to the table. And having someone like uh, Samuel Eto'o, who is um, a legend who's made so much progress in his career, so much success, rather, in his career, will be able to bring all those experiences. And also his international affiliations will be, will be of good advantage to Cameroon as a country and also to Africa as a continent. As you say, I mean, he does have a big task because, yes, he's a legend, but he's got uh, quite a clean-up to do there at the Cameroon Football Federation. Allegations of corruption that they've been tainted with, infighting, mismanagement. At some point, FIFA had to intervene sometimes because of bickering that was going on within officials there. So we talk of him being a legend and we celebrate this position for him, uh, but it will shine the spotlight on his leadership abilities and business acumen to be able to do this type of cleanup. Do you think he will manage? 
Uh, I, I think he, I think he will manage because he's loved. He's been getting the support, and he's also a philanthropist. He's been contributing tremendously to to Cameroon. He's been uh, motivating, encouraging, mentoring, and also donating to a lot of um, um, less privileged people in Cameroon. And he's he's been putting his intentions out there for a lot of people. We're very impressed by the outcome of this election. If he had lost, it would have been disappointing for us. But um, looking at this, of course, he's got... um, I mean, a huge uh, problem uh, problem to address to fix because of the, uh, the the corruption there, and also the the the, the lot of reports that are being surfaced as well. So the cleanup obviously would we might I pray get the support from the people because it takes one man to want to do cleanup, but if the people are not ready to work with him, then it becomes um, unproductive. So um, we we wish him all the best, wish him all the luck, and and hope he he, he, he gets to achieve this. Okay, let's leave it there. We are out of time, but thanks so much uh, again for your time, uh, Ade. We appreciate you. Happy Wednesday. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Ade Kunle Owolabi, social commentator, discussing what's happened in social media in the last 24 hours in terms of trending topics. Robert in Greytown uh, saying, Asanda, the most painful part is the South African government harboring the people that violated people's rights in Zimbabwe why can't they sanction all businesses held by Zimbabwean diplomats? On what status are the diplomats living? Are they refugees or in exile or what? Uh, good question there, uh, Robert.